this casual assumption of Sir Donald's supremacy is extremely irritating for the world's greatest cricketer, the one with the finest record of sheer perfection, wasn't Bradman at all. And he wasn't Grace or Hammond or Worrell or McCartney or any other of that band of well-publicised sportsmen. No, the finest cricketer who ever lived was Sid Smith. Sid Smith was in his prime about 1911, when he was, quite frankly, absolutely unconquerable as a batsman and unplayable as a bowler. You don't have to take just my word for this. There must be 50 or 60 others who were also kids at Kayapoy at that time who would vouch for its accuracy. To compare Bradman and Sid Smith is like comparing a candle with the sun. Bradman was bold sometimes, Sid Smith never. There was always a suggestion that Bradman, early in the innings, was vulnerable to a ball on the leg stump and swinging away. Sid Smith invariably clouted such balls to the boundary. Bradman's record against Bodyline was dismal. Bodyline was not born with Jardine, as is often imagined. We had Bodyline 30 or 40 years before he and Larwood wrecked Australia and the news correspondents nearly wrecked the Commonwealth. The nut ball, bean ball, or head basher, as it was variously called, was regularly resorted to as early as 1908, to my knowledge, in breaking a stubborn partnership. I remember a tough sort of kid called Ned Kelly, though that may not have been his real name, coming to our school about 1909, I think from Australia. I would like to say he came from Bowral, New South Wales, or at any rate Sydney, but I want to be scrupulously accurate. I must confess I don't know where he came from. He did, though, have a store bat with George Giffen's autograph on it. That will give you some sort of idea of the kind of kid he was. All of our bats were cut from lengths of ironbark or jarra. I remember this kid bowling against Sid Smith one day, and we just sat back and laughed. He tried fast, and he tried slow, and he tried shooters, and Sid Smith just belted him all over the paddock. And then this kid, he was almost certainly from Australia, he got mad, and he yelled, All right, all right, then you just mind your ruddy head. And he hurled down a nut ball so fast that a lot of the little kids couldn't even see it travelling through the air. They said so afterwards. And what did Sid Smith do? He hit it into Thompson's hay paddock and lost the ball. I admit that cost him his wicket, so Ned Kelly did get him out in a way, but no one could say that Sid Smith was intimidated as Bradman was in the same circumstances 30-odd years later. Put the records of Bradman and Sid Smith side by side. Bradman made an occasional duck. Sid Smith, to my knowledge, never scored less than 55, though I believe there was an occasion when I had the mumps and wasn't present when he was out lost ball for 37. Bradman certainly made record scores, but they were made under MCC rules and not under the stringent regulations that controlled Sid Smith's cricket. Bradman's records would have been far less impressive if in addition to all the usual ways, he could, for instance, have lost his wicket for uh, hitting the ball with the back of the bat, or kicking a ball, or losing the ball, or breaking, or in some cases, merely cracking a bat, or hitting over the fence, or 
hitting the ball within a close but unspecified distance of the pram containing the Wilson baby. As a note to this last, I may say that the two Wilson kids were allowed to join us on Saturday mornings only on condition that they minded the baby too. We didn't despise them for the somewhat undignified situation this created, but the above rule was added to our code in consequence. One of the finest memories I have of Sid Smith is of his mastery when the Wilson pram was parked at deep square leg under the trees. When he was at one end, Sid would pull and hook for four after four. But when he was at the other and the baby constituted a menace on the leg side, identical balls were dispatched to the boundary at deep point. Did Bradman's enterprise at its very peak extend as far? But, I hear you say, what of the bowling they had to meet, the wickets they played on? How was Smith on the sort of sticky wicket that Bradman never really mastered? These are good questions, and I hope you won't think I'm avoiding them if I answer in perhaps a rather oblique way. I was listening to recent, recently to one of those marathon test broadcasts that have become part of what I suppose people mean when they speak of our democratic way of life. Those broadcasts where everyone is Ted or Peter, and you can't follow unless you understand that Colin is MacDonald, or maybe Cowdery, and Alan is one of the commentators, or perhaps Davison, or possibly that new fellow. Anyway, it's as democratic as dammit, with never a surname in sight. On this occasion, the commentary went something like this. By Jove, Cedric, I thought that one turned a little. Just a little, you understand? Yes, I thought it turned a little. What did you think? Did it turn a little? Possible. Possible, Cecil, of course, but I don't think so. No, I doubt it. Not at the pace he's bowling. Not at that pace. No, Cecil, no. Moved in the air a little, perhaps. That illustrates the sort of bowling Bradman met and the sort of wicket he played on. On the wickets where Sid Smith made his name, the faster they bowled, the greater, when the ball struck a tuft of cocksfoot or the edge of a dry cowpat, the greater the turn. And there was no question of how much it turned. The balls that Sid Smith faced turned feet or shot or jumped up and would have knocked the teeth out of a Bradman or a Hutton or a Harvey or a May and the spin bowling. I myself at that time could turn the ball both ways, not just a little, but almost at right angles. It was a skill I lost completely later on, but I definitely had spin then. But did any of this bowling, pace with spin, pace with bumpers and shooters mixed, slow breaking both ways, googlies even, did any of it worry Sid Smith? Not at all. He sent every ball methodically to the boundary, and the only ways he was ever out were over the fence, lost ball, or retired. Sid Smith, like his better-known ancestor, had a generous nature, and after batting for several hours, he would often retire and let some other kid have a turn with the bat. Sid would then bowl. As not even the most enthusiastic supporter of Bradman would claim that he was any great shakes as a bowler, further comment is unnecessary. Sid Smith was, of course, acquiring more than local fame by 1912, and scouts from the Canterbury Cricket Association were already hovering about our paddock. 
When you have the greatest cricketer in the world in your own backyard, the news is bound to get about. I left for boarding school in 1913, however, and I didn't see Sid for several years. Then one day, when I was home for the holidays, I happened to be crossing Hagley Park on a Saturday afternoon, and I stopped to watch a club match. A new batsman was just making his way to the wicket, and by Jove, it was Sid Smith. I hardly recognised him at first in flannels, cricket cap, pads, batting gloves, and a store bat. But it was Sid all right, and I waited for the fireworks. The bowler, an ordinary-looking sort, delivered the first ball. Sid put his foot down the wicket, raised his bat in the air, and the ball went through to the wicketkeeper. He treated the next the same way, and the third bowled him. As he was taking off his pads under the oak tree that was serving as a pavilion, I joined him, and we renewed our acquaintance. We talked, of course, of old times, but I was troubled in my heart, and I had to ask the question. Sid, I said, that bowler, he didn't look so hot. What was the trouble? It's my left elbow, said Sid. I've been in a special coaching squad for four years now, and I can't remember my left elbow. The coach says you've got to keep the right elbow into the body coming back, point the left elbow at the bowler going forward, get the left toe to the ball, turn the hips at right angles to the flight of the ball, and keep the right elbow close to the body when making the stroke. I get them to swing back, said Sid bitterly, and then I get a most horrible feeling I've forgotten something and I just stand there paralysed. I haven't made a decent score this season. <laughs>